Tina and Ike Turner were a hit sensation. The beloved R&B ensemble, managed by Ike and starring Tina, was a spectacle. But behind closed doors, Tina and Ike Turner weren't happy. Well, I shouldn't say that exactly. Ike was happy. Happy enough to abuse and belittle Tina, his wife and budding legend. Maybe his abuse came from insecurity, maybe he enjoyed the cruelty, it doesn't matter. Not for Tina. Witches, let's discuss abuse for a quick minute here. If somebody is constantly berating you, physically or verbally, it's abuse. If someone plays terrible, cruel pranks on you and posts them on YouTube, it's abuse. If you say no and they do it to you anyways, it's abuse. If somebody tries to rewrite history claiming they never told you something or blaming you for their problems, twisting things to make it your fault or make you seem crazy, it's abuse. If someone threatens to take your kids away, control your finances, or make you homeless when you are a good parent, make your own money, and or contribute to the household, and you know, they're not your landlord, it is abuse. If someone stands by and lets you be abused, they are complicit abusers. They enable abuse and are just as unsafe as the abuser themselves. Whether that abuse comes from a parent, teacher, boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, parent, sibling, or friend, abuse leaves permanent damage and often the victims are blindsided, at least the first time or two. Usually, unless we work in retail or food service, we don't let strangers abuse us. We know we have the power to walk away, respond, report, whatever's necessary. That's why so often abusers will sneak into your life as someone you trust. It's hard to escape abuse. Some forms of financial and verbal abuse are not illegal because they would be nearly impossible to properly regulate. Sometimes the court system fails the victim. Sometimes the abuser is a police officer and their partner can't go to the police for protection. You may owe an abuser money, or they may be very good at pressing your guilt button, saying if you leave, they'll die, or other threats. It feels like a hopeless mess, but it's not. Here's what I know, witchlings. There are a lot of resources to help you identify and escape abuse. There are victim shelters, websites, apps, and more. The hotline.org is a great resource to get started. If you're not sure about your situation, go to whengeorgiasmiled.org and sign up for the Aspire course. It will teach you about domestic violence, warning signs, as well as how to escape those situations. In fact, I would recommend the course to everyone, as the more people who recognize abuse and speak out, the safer we will all become. Stronger together, my witchlings. Unfortunately, Tina Turner didn't have the resources we have today. Tina was a child of neglect, which is a form of abuse, by her parents. Tina's parents were sharecroppers, and when Tina was young, her mom ran away from home to escape her own abusive marriage, and Tina was later sent to live with grandparents. Tina felt instinctively that she wasn't wanted by her mother, Zelma, who herself was very young to have any children, let alone three girls. 
With such a poor childhood, it is no wonder that Tina Turner was drawn in by a big, successful musician who love-bombed her and utilized her talents for his own gain. Once she was securely his, thanks to music contracts and her young love, that's when the serious troubles started. Tina said she didn't even want to marry Ike, but was too scared to say no. In fact, Tina Turner's real first name is Anne. But Ike rebranded and renamed her, changing her identity without her consent for the sake of showbiz. By the mid-1970s, Ike and Tina Turner were the toast of the town, or the nation, really. Ike became a serious cocaine addict and abruptly switched label companies while they were traveling. And Ike began to abuse Tina so badly that she fled the hotel and hid at a friend's house. Tina then found her power, divorced Ike, and went on to become a bigger star than they ever were together. Maybe in the beginning, Tina thought she needed Ike, but when she found her true inner strength, she escaped and she was able to do more without him than she ever could with him. He was toxic to her safety, success, and happiness. Tina said it best, if you are unhappy with anything, your mother, your father, your husband, your wife, your job, your boss, your car, whatever is bringing you down, get rid of it, she said. You'll find that when you're free, your true creativity, your true self comes out. Hello, witches, women, and other lovely listeners. I'm Hannah, the bipolar bisexual host of this bi-weekly podcast of Witches and Women. In this podcast, we get to explore the lives of powerful women, both real and mythological. Strong women have historically been labeled as witches or something else equally troubling, taboo, and easy to justify killing or dismissing. I'm telling their stories because most of these tales are amazing and all of them are fascinating. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, and if you do social media, connect with me through Of Witches and Women on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Of course, be sure you also check out the website, which is the most in-depth and exciting resource I can offer you. When you visit ofwitchesandwomen.com, you'll find fantastic merchandise of both the serious and salty variety. Lots of the merchandise is limited edition, so get it while we're still in ancient Greece. You'll also find the Grimoire Gallery, which is our internet gallery curated with art by today's working artists and featuring witches, women, and goddesses of ancient Greece. If you see something you like, you can support a small business by visiting the artist's portfolio sites to see, share, or purchase more of their work. Plus, you can even buy some of their prints starting at just $15 in the Of Witches and Women shop. If you're not a fan of fake news, then you need to check out the Lamia Library, where I list all of my show notes and other resources and recommendations. Of course, subscribe to the newsletter The Oracle on any page of the Of Witches and Women website. Just scroll down and add your email address. The bi-weekly Oracle tells the shorter, fascinating, more obscure stories that we won't get to cover on the show. It highlights grimoire gallery artists, shares simple spells and book recommendations, and more. So don't miss out. Subscribe today.
Minos, a powerful demigod son of Zeus, had two brothers and one kingdom. In order to avoid civil war after his adopted father's death, Minos challenged his brothers, saying that out of the three demigods, he was the only one who had the favor of the gods and the right to rule Crete. Minos then proved his networking abilities by praying to Poseidon to produce a bull out of the sea on the edge of the kingdom. In return, Minos promised to sacrifice the bull back to Poseidon. Poseidon created the largest, most majestic, and powerful bull anyone had ever seen for his beloved nephew, thus settling the rivalry. Minos was to be king. Minos married Queen Pasiphae, demigod daughter of Helios. Minos was a powerful king, and together, Minos and Pasiphae produced eight powerful children, seven daughters and one son. However, Minos never sacrificed the bull. This angered Poseidon, of course, but the gods were patient, and he waited. Pasiphae also angered the gods, particularly Aphrodite, who felt that her grandniece didn't pay her proper worship for the love, prosperity, and beauty she had been given. So Poseidon and Aphrodite conspired against the royal family of Crete. Aphrodite cast a spell of unquenchable lust upon Pasiphae, who suddenly found Poseidon's bull to be irresistible. She called upon the great inventor Daedalus to help her disguise herself as a cow so she could have intercourse with the bull. Of course, because, you know, it's Greek mythology, Pasiphae became pregnant, and when she gave birth, it was to the famous Minotaur. Pasiphae named her newborn Asterion after Minos' adopted father and the former king of Crete. But Minos was disgusted by the Minotaur and by his wife's affair. Of course, Minos decided to take no responsibility for what had happened himself, and he still did not sacrifice the bull. After giving birth to the Minotaur, Pasiphae was barren as we all would be if a bull ripped its way out of our uterine lining. Their oldest son and heir to Crete was in Athens during this drama and won many prizes and victories at the Athenian tournaments. Like his parents, the blood of the gods ran strong through his veins. The Athenians didn't like it. Crete was becoming a threat, so they challenged the future king of Crete to fight their own prized bull because apparently prized bulls were a valuable kingdom commodity back then. And Poseidon, through the bull, killed the prince, leaving Minos without an heir and completing the god's vengeance. But Minos would have his own vengeance. He sailed for Athens, and in order to prevent a war, Athens agreed to send seven men and seven women to Crete every seven years, or more frequently, depending on which legend you choose, to be sacrificed. Meanwhile, Pasiphae and her daughters tried to raise young Asterion with some human control and comprehension, but with the head and lower body of a bull and only a human torso, Asterion was capable of very little human thought and control. In fact, he was beyond tameable, and as he grew, he began to crave human flesh. When Minos returned from Athens, he imprisoned Daedalus and his son Icarus for helping his wife mate with a bull. 
Then he forced the two inventors to create the most complex labyrinth in the world. Minos locked the Minotaur in the center of the labyrinth and fed him the Athenian sacrifices each year to seven years, you know, depending. During this time, there isn't much written about Minos and Pasiphae's daughter Ariadne. Ariadne was a strong demigod with Zeus's bloodlines on one hand and Helios, a titan, on the other. Ariadne was also smart. I imagine, in addition to trying to teach her half-brother to speak and walk and sit still and princess lessons and Greek lessons and history lessons and god lineage genealogy lessons, Ariadne also spent time studying with Daedalus, reading, dreaming, and flexing her creative and inventive mind. Minos appointed his daughter Ariadne as mistress of the maze. She oversaw the labyrinth that imprisoned her brother, prowled through its walls, and inspected the maze to be sure it remained a safe fortress, protecting the people from the Minotaur. Ariadne also hosted the ceremony every seven years during which Athenians were sacrificed to the Minotaur. No one knew the labyrinth better than Ariadne, except perhaps Daedalus. I imagine it was probably difficult for Princess Ariadne, on the one hand, to love and care about her brother, and on the other, to know that he would attack and eat almost anyone besides herself. It must have been difficult to send the Athenian hostages into the maze to face their fate. And one year, it became impossible. Prince Theseus of Athens volunteered to go to Crete as a hostage. The handsome, battle-tested prince felt sure he could slay whatever lay at the heart of that great maze, and return a victor to Athens. At the great feast, the night before he was to enter the labyrinth, Theseus and Ariadne came face to face. For Ariadne, it was love at first sight. For Theseus, it was strategy. Theseus knew that his best chance of survival lay in wooing Ariadne and getting information from her. But the information was dire. Ariadne was certain even if Theseus could slay the Minotaur, he would die in the labyrinth, for none but herself could wander the walls without becoming eternally lost. Conflicted, Ariadne probably tossed and turned all night, unsure of what to do. In the end, she decided her brother needed to die for the safety of the people of Crete and to stop the sacrifice of hostages. The next day, Ariadne planted a sword and a ball of yarn inside the entrance to the labyrinth and whispered to Theseus how to use them to survive and escape the maze if he promised to take her with him when he left and make her his queen. Theseus promised, of course. Well, we know how good Greek kings and princes and gods are at keeping their promises. Theseus killed the Minotaur with the sword Ariadne provided, and emerged victorious with the string Ariadne provided. Ariadne left Crete with Theseus, but he abandoned her not too long after on an island before returning to Athens a hero. Unfortunately for Mr. Big Hero Theseus, he forgot to signal to Athens that he had survived by changing the sails from black to white. Upon seeing the black sails approaching, his father, thinking Theseus dead, jumped off a cliff and drowned himself. 
but maybe that is a happy ending for Theseus after all, because now he returned to Athens a king. Ariadne was broken. Some say her mind sunk into madness at the betrayal of Theseus, and who can blame her? A traumatic childhood filled with teaching a monster to walk and talk? Her parents cursed by the gods and constantly at odds with one another? Two brothers recently dead and now abandoned as a teenager without food, water, or money by her one true love and without a home to go back to, as her prideful father had likely disowned her for her betrayal. Ariadne's song of madness and heartbreak struck a chord with the god of madness. Dionysus floated down to the island and sang to Ariadne. He listened to her. He helped heal her brain and her heart. Dionysus and Ariadne fell in love, and Dionysus carried Ariadne to Olympus where he married her. After the wedding, Ariadne's diadem was sent into the stars because of its eternal and sparkling beauty. It seemed things were going well. Ariadne and Dionysus had several children before Dionysus, Zeus's son and god of deviant sexuality, began to wander. Ariadne killed herself, still unable to bear betrayal. However, Dionysus couldn't bear her death, and he entered the underworld and returned with Ariadne and his mother. Ariadne was then granted immortality. Now, Ariadne has memorials scattered across Crete. She became a goddess, worshipped as a goddess of puzzles and mazes, as well as a minor weaving goddess. After years of abuse and neglect, the immortal Ariadne finally had the time, space, and power to protect and love herself. I hope that Ariadne learned to construct healthy boundaries and to protect herself. And I think that she did. After all, she had eternity to figure it out and was pretty good at solving puzzles and choosing the right actions, even when they scared her. With some good trauma therapy and boundaries lessons from Hecate and Persephone, I'm sure Ariadne was a strong, independent goddess in no time. Tina Turner and Ariadne have something in common. Both were famous or powerful, at first because of the terrible men around them. But these men relied on Ariadne and Tina's talents far more than Ariadne or Tina needed to rely on them. Ariadne and Tina held the true power, talents, heart, and soul, by letting go, saying no, and actively leaving their toxic situations. Tina Turner became one of the most iconic, talented, singers of all time, and Ariadne saved her people from a man-eating monster and became a literal goddess. Now those are some pretty fierce women. That's a wrap on today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is doing so well, so fast, in spite of me, and that is thanks to you, my listeners. Please keep spreading the word. 
Tell your squad to subscribe to Of Witches and Women on Apple, Google, or Spotify. And please write me a strong, independent review on your podcast app so others can find and enjoy the show as well. Connect to me and the pod on social media and look up ofwitchesandwomen.com for even more great content and to subscribe to The Oracle. Stay fierce, witches, and we'll catch you next time. Of Witches and Women is brought to you by SHH Media, LLC.